We have some very exciting news to share with you about April the 4th, which is Easter. You wanna tell them? Yeah, right here in this field, we're gonna have our Easter services. One's at nine, the second service will be at 10.30. So what do they need to bring? Okay, bring your chairs, bring your blankets, certainly invite your friends, your family, come out and join us. We're really excited about this. A great day to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, Sunday morning, April the 4th, Again, one at nine, one at 10.30. Bring chairs, bring blankets. See you then. Anybody excited about Easter? Yeah. It's going to be awesome. It is going to be awesome. We're going to be right out here outside. Uh, a couple of questions. Who here is bringing a chair? Make sure you bring a chair. Or who's here is bringing a blanket? Okay, nice, nice, nice. Awesome. That's awesome. Well, we're going to be outside. It's going to be absolutely incredible. We are so, so excited about it. And we're all going to worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords together. So we're looking forward to it. All right, I want to start today by asking another question. All right. How many of you here have heard the phrase, the devil's in the details? Show of hands. You've heard that phrase before. The devil's in the details. Now, I know what we mean when we say that, right? That if you've ever negotiated a contract before, um, if you've ever uh, gone to get that car loan or that home loan or whatever the contract is, a new job, the devil's in the details. You hear that all the time. Um, maybe you've heard it uh, in some instances where, let's say you bought that perfect gift, that perfect gift for your grandchild, your son or daughter, your niece or nephew, and you missed something, didn't you? You missed batteries not included. Or maybe you're like a friend of mine who years ago when he was having his first kid, he called me and another guy up and he's like, hey guys, I need you. We bought the perfect crib, but I missed that assembly required. You and I, we can fall prey to that sometimes. We can miss the details. And what we've typically said is the devil's in the details. Um, I think we've been saying that wrong. I know what we mean when we say the devil's in the details, but what we're really saying is the truth is in the details. That's what we're really saying. The devil's not in the details. The truth is in the details. I learned this about 16 or so years ago when I got my first job opportunity. I was volunteering at a church. I was about 15 or 16. Actually, I was in high school. So I was in high school, and I'm getting ready for, um, I think, my junior year or something like that. And two of my friends had said yes to an opportunity at the church, and the associate pastor came to me, and he said, hey, um, your friends just said yes to this, but would you want to be a part of our summer internship? And I'm like, what? Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, whatever it is, I'm in. I want to be a part of the summer internship. And so I said, yes. I'm like, I am in. And um, lo and behold, uh, actually, it was about 16 years ago to the month. So when the summer internship started, my first day, you know what I got? I got a key. I'm like, these people just gave me a key to the whole church. Felt like a king. Um, it wasn't actually a key to the whole church. Um, it was a key to a door in the church. More specifically, that door was a door to a closet in the church. And more specifically, that closet had all the cleaning materials and the mop and the disinfectants. Um, and so this internship was a summer janitorial internship, and I completely missed that detail. 
Um, our summer internship is not like that, by the way. Our summer internship, <laughs> you're going to get real experiences. Anyways, that's besides the point. That was my first experience, and here I am, and I missed that detail about what I was walking into. I missed the details. But the devil's not in the details. The truth is in the details. And you and I, we can miss God when we miss the details. I think as a society, whether you believe in God and you're a Christian or not, we do a very good job at identifying God in the mountaintops and in the valleys. Here's what I mean by that. Life is good. You got approved. You got the promotion. You got the job. You got the girl. You got the guy. What do you say? Praise the Lord. It worked out. That's the mountaintop experience. But then there's also these valley experiences as well, when things don't go according to plan, where you hit a disaster, where you hit a catastrophe. And whether you're a Christian or not, we've seen it all in movies and maybe we've experienced this ourselves, but the first response is typically, oh, Jesus, help me. I think we do a really good job at identifying God in the mountaintops and in the valleys. And yes, he is the wind when you reach the top of the mountain. And he is the rock when you've hit rock bottom. But he's also everything in between. And so you and I, we can see God on the mountains and in the valleys, but sometimes it's difficult to see God in the details. We're going to talk about that today. Today, we are going to dive into the scriptures and learn more about how do we identify the details? How do we make sure we do not miss God? Here's another way of putting this. So if I'm here and I'm nearsighted, okay? If I'm nearsighted, are there any nearsighted folk in the room? Okay, all right, so you know what I'm talking about. If I'm nearsighted, I can see exactly what is on this iPad because it's near to me, but I can't see that back wall. I can't see the clock. I can't see the screen. I can't see anything in that back wall. If I'm farsighted, any farsighted people in the room? Okay, cool. If I'm farsighted, I can see what's away, but I can't see what's really up close. Well, you and I, we can either be farsighted or nearsighted when it comes to our spiritual lives. But what happens then is we miss on everything in between. If all I can see is this or all I can see is that, I miss out on all of you. And y'all look great today. My goodness, came to the second service, you know, took a little time to get ready this morning, made sure you were proper. I like it. I like it. It worked out for you. It worked out well. So you and I, we can fall prey to that and we can miss the details. All right. So what's the detail of today? Well, I would venture to say about 90% of all churches today are talking about Palm Sunday. And today we are one of those churches. We're going to talk about Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday is the beginning of the last week of Jesus's life here. Palm Sunday marks the Sunday before Easter. Now, there's all these things that happen from now until Easter. There's Good Friday. And and if you look at the the story of Jesus, so many things happen this week. We're going to focus today on what happened on this particular day on Palm Sunday and why we call it Palm Sunday. Now, we're going to find this in the book of Luke, so make sure you get your Bibles out, your Harborside app. We're going to go through the entire story this morning. We're going to look at Luke, and we're going to start in chapter 19, 
And we're going to actually pick out a couple of players in this story, a couple of details in this story. And I've been in church for a very long time. Nine months before I was born, I was in a pew. And I've heard the Palm Sunday sermon over and over and over again. But as I was studying, there's a couple of details that leaped out of the pages at me that I want to actually bring to your attention today. And I think they will help us make sure that we don't miss God. Because it's important to know that Sometimes, if you're too nearsighted or too farsighted, you'll miss, you will miss on who is actually with you. We can focus on the things in front of us, the things away from us, and we miss all the things in between. So let's not miss the details this morning. Luke chapter 19, verse 29. And it says this, As he came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. This is Jesus speaking. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, The Lord needs it. Now, the next five verses are where we get the theme Palm Sunday. Jesus now gets this colt, this young donkey, and he's riding on this young donkey, entering the city, and everybody is shouting, Hosanna! And they're laying down palm branches on the road as Jesus is passing by and riding this young colt. Probably 90% of the sermons today are talking about these next five verses. So today, we're going to skip those five verses. All right, let's jump down to verse 39. But some of Pharisees among the crowd said, sure, rebuke your followers for saying that. He replied, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. Love, love, love how Jesus responds to the Pharisees. All right, I want to pull out a couple of players in this. We're going to go deep dive into some details in this story. Two of the players we're going to pull out, we're going to pull out the cult and we're going to pull out the Pharisees. But let's start with the cult. I was reading this passage of Scripture, and I started to ask myself, why the cult? Why why that specific cult? Because Jesus knew exactly where it was tied and said, here, go over here, and you're going to find... Why the cult? I started to ask myself that, and it was incredible what I found in the Scriptures. We're going to read about it in a second. But let's look at what a cult is. I want to, just so I don't confuse anybody, when I say cult, I'm not talking about like that weird, hey, come over to my house and, you know, we're going to drink some Kool-Aid kind of cult, okay? That's not what I'm talking about, all right? I'm I'm talking about a young donkey. Um, Yeah, I didn't say that first service. That was went online. (laughs) Um, So uh, we're talking about a young donkey, okay? And to be considered a cult, you had, that donkey had to be, Uh, at most three years old. So three years old and younger, you were considered a cult. And what was interesting about cults is that they would spend time with their mother. So you would have a cult and you would have the mother donkey. And as long as the cult was near the mother donkey, the mother donkey would kind of bring some peace and calm to that cult. So I want to bring you, bring your attention to Luke 19 verses 30 and 31. Uh, This is Jesus speaking again. He says, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, 
the Lord needs it. I think you and I, some of us here, we can identify with the cult. Because what's interesting about this is that this cult was tied, meaning that this cult was probably wild, crazy, full of anxiety, maybe. But look at the detail of the rope, though. Look at the detail of the rope. This cult was tied. So now you have this cult here and rope tied around it to, the, to a tree or to a post. And sometimes you and I, we can feel like we're that cult and we're stuck. We can feel like we're tied down. We can feel like we can't even move. And that rope really quickly starts to feel like a chain. And that rope starts to feel like a burden. So why the cult? Why even mention the cult in these passages of Scripture? I want to bring your attention to 600 years before Jesus is ever born, okay? 600 years before in the book of Zechariah 9, verses 9. It says this, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. That was the prophecy 600 years before. And what I find interesting is that to be considered a cult, you had to be at most three years old. Jesus began his ministry at 30. And at this point on Palm Sunday, he is 33 years old, meaning that that cult was born right about the time that Jesus began his ministry. And so a lot of times in our lives, that rope becomes a chain. We're stuck. We can't go anywhere. God's forgotten about me. I can't move here. And really, the rope isn't something to hold you back. The rope is there to keep you in place. Sometimes what God is trying to tell you is, I have you here, not in prison. I have you here to preserve you. I need you to stay right here because your purpose is about to be fulfilled. You were born specifically for what happens next. But we can't see what happens next because all we can see is what's in front of us. This is the nearsightedness of us. All we can see is this thing, this rope, this chain that's holding us back. But there's a king coming. There's a savior coming. So a lot of times we can identify with this cult. But we can miss God. We can miss God when we, come, when we become distracted by our circumstances. I, I, I want to be careful here because I can imagine that over time that that rope became a little more painful. And actually, just in full disclosure, last year I actually spent a lot of time watching comedians and, how, and the comedians that gave voiceovers to different animals and all that. That got me through 2020, probably. It was hilarious. I had the secret place and I had the comedians. That just was just it. And, and they gave so much personality to like raccoons and birds and all kinds of stuff. It's hilarious. Um, now, some of them speak in the King James language, so I'm not going to advocate for some of the things that they say. But this comedian that I was watching, oh my gosh, he was hilarious. And it started to, to help me process a little bit more about the personality of maybe some animals. And I can imagine that cult is there, and it's freaking out so much so it's got to be tied down. 
It's full of fear and it's full of pain. And I want to be careful not to be one of those speakers who tells you that you need to get over your pain. I want to be careful not to be one of those people who say, well, you've got pain, well, forget about it, deal with it. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that there is a presence that is greater than your pain. And sometimes when we experience pain, that is all we can see, all we can feel. If you've broken your leg, if you've hurt your back, all you can feel is that pain. But I'm here to tell you there is a presence that is even more powerful than that pain. But sometimes our pain can get us to be so nearsighted that we miss God. Let's move to the Pharisees. All right, um, this joke kind of worked first service. I'll just try it again. Why not? <laughs> this is one of those preacher jokes. Preacher jokes are sometimes even worse than dad jokes. Um, but, you know, we could call them the Pharisees or we could call them the Pharaoh can't sees. I'm here for another 15 minutes. There's more. <laughs> oh, that was fun. All right, let's look at Luke. <laughs> Luke 19, verses 39 and 40. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. And Jesus replied, If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into uh, cheers. And I think this is so, so cool uh, how Jesus responded to them. But let's pull out the Pharisees, okay? The Pharisees were the people who were supposed to be able to recognize when a Messiah had come. These are the people who knew the scriptures, and they completely missed God. They completely missed him. And sometimes you and I, we can miss God, not just when we're up here and nearsighted, but when we're too farsighted. We can miss God when we're looking way ahead and we miss out on what he's doing right now. You see, the Pharisees, they couldn't see God because they looked right past him. They looked directly over his shoulder. And how could they miss him? How could they miss him? Okay, we read one of the prophecies. We read the prophecy of Jesus coming in on a colt, a young donkey. That was just one of the over 350 350 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. Some estimates put it about 365 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. Now, what is the probability of something like that happening? Well, to look at the probability of something like that happening, you'd have to take every human who had ever existed, and you'd take those chances of one of those people fulfilling all 365 prophecies. So let me put it this way. It's like taking this quarter here, and you take this quarter and you place it in Texas. And then you place other quarters side by side to fill the entire state of Texas right next to each other. Then you go layer after layer after layer until you've packed these quarters over Texas about two feet tall. And then I take one last quarter, I mark it, I throw it somewhere in Texas. I blindfold one of you and I say, go and find the quarter that I marked. The probability of you finding that one quarter is equal to Jesus fulfilling just eight of the 365 he fulfilled. Just eight. And the Pharisees knew this. They were looking for this king and they missed Jesus 
because Jesus didn't fit their description of what a king looked like. And so sometimes we miss God when we expect our will and not his will. We miss God when we already have the answers to our own prayers. Here's how you're supposed to answer it, the Lord. Here's how you're supposed to uh, uh, solve my problems. It has to look like this. And sometimes we're looking way too far ahead and we miss what God is doing right now. Anytime, anytime you expect your will above the will of God, you will miss God like the Pharisees did. So the whole point today is to make sure that we don't miss God. To make sure that we don't miss God in the details, the every fabric of our being, that we do not miss God. And I know some of you here have been praying for God to answer a prayer. I don't know how long. I don't know what it is. I, I don't know what that is. All I know is that he's with you. I don't know why that prayer hasn't been answered. I don't know why life hasn't looked like how you want it to look like. I don't know. I just know that God is with you. And if you get too focused on how he's supposed to answer your prayers, you'll miss him altogether. Because sometimes we can get too focused on what's in front of us, too distracted by what's ahead of us, that we miss who is with us. So I want to take some time now, and I love the people on this stage. They're just awesome. Andrew, Kaylin, oh, I love them too, girl, come on. Elisa, Tom, Matt, Crystal. I just love the people on the stage, and, and I really want to spend the next few minutes, um, I, I want to ask you guys a question, but as I ask the question, everyone here in the room, think about how you would answer this question as well too. And so um, the question is, t tell me about a time when God was close to you, but you missed him. God was close to you and near to you, but you missed him. Um, I want to start with you, Matt. And uh, this is Matt Turnus, by the way. He is one of our most recent hires here at Harborside. He is our business administrator. And Matt wouldn't tell you this. You wouldn't know this. But Matt is absolutely crushing it right now. I mean, it's been three months and you're just in it. Yeah. And so this is Matt Turnus. And Matt, I want to ask you that question. And, and is there a time that you can tell all of us when God was close to you, but you missed him? Yeah, I can think of one um, pretty recently. Um, it was really the last season um, that my family was in about this time last year. And I was growing discontent in my job. And there was like, many great things about it, but I was growing discontent. I was feeling misled. And I approached God in a season of fasting and prayer with an answer in mind, just kind of hoping that by doing the fasting and praying that he would answer my prayer the way I wanted and went through it. And I was convicted that um, I had coached basketball um, for a couple of years in high school and middle school. And I felt that God was calling me back to it. And so I pursued it and I pursued it hard and nothing came of it. Mm -hmm. And when I look back on it now, what I realize is that there was nothing wrong with being called to that, mm. but I realized that God was protecting me mm. because now I look back on it and, and see how he was preserving my time with my family mm. and my 
my new daughter at that time. Wow. Um, and that if I were being honest with you, if I was pursuing what I wanted to pursue, um, I would miss out on what God had given me right in front of me. Wow. Wow. That is so good, man. Yeah, you, we can all identify with that. Here, here's what I want. Here's where, why can't I get there? And the whole time he's protecting and preserving you. I love that. Absolutely love that. Um, Kaylin, I, I just love what you had to say about this. It was so real, so honest and open. Would you share that with this uh, service? Yeah, I would love to. So I know I've mentioned before, but as a young child, I was very sick. And so I was always getting put on and off of these different medications all the time. And there was one time that I will never forget. I was about six or seven years old, and they put me on this new medication. um, And it had some side effects that we didn't know of, one of which could be hallucinations. And so here I am as a six, seven-year-old child, and I'm having these terrible hallucinations. I couldn't close my eyes in the middle of the day because I just saw this darkness. It was like this movie kept playing over and over in my brain, and I didn't know how to make it stop. I couldn't get it to stop. The only thing that would make this constant terror stop in my mind was by looking at flowers and by listening to Awesome God on my little MP3 player that I had as a kid, and I would play it on repeat. The, our God is an awesome God, he reigns. And I would play it over and over again, and it would make it stop for a moment. And at such a young age, when something like this happens, you kind of suppress it, you know? And about two years ago, we were praying with some friends, and she just says the word flowers, Mm. and it's like this instant trigger, and this whole memory comes flooding back into my mind, and the Lord says, I was with you. I was the one who stopped this when you were at that young age, and he was there in that moment, in the detail, and I missed it because I was so young, but he was so kind to reveal that that was him at a later time. That's absolutely incredible, Kaylin. And, and I, I really want to take a, a second right now, and, and maybe you're here and you can identify with Kaylin's story. Maybe you're here and there's a time throughout this last week or there's times in your life where you feel absolutely and completely overwhelmed, filled with emotion and overwhelmed. And I got to tell you, that right there is gold. That's why we created the Secret Place album you can play that album. You may not even be available to sing. You're just so overwhelmed. I can't even sing. Let it sing over you and sing the prayers for you and watch what God does. His presence is there with you. I love that. Um, Elisa, man, I just, you're one of my favorite people. I got to let you know that. I just love working with you. I know Tom's here, but I like him too. (laughs) I just love working with you, Elisa. You're awesome. Alisa, why don't you share uh, about that? Um, tell, us, tell us of a time where you, you, you miss God. Talk about being overwhelmed. That's where I was. I was um, in a dark, dark place. Years and years ago, I was just so sad. and I was despondent. It's not a word that I use, but I can't think of a better one. I felt hopeless, and everything just seemed so dark. And I didn't feel worthy to reach out to God. I didn't feel like I was in a place to even be capable of praying out to my Heavenly Father. And I remember I went to the grocery store to pick up a few things, and I'm going through the line, and the cashier asked me if I had one of those little cards we used to use, and you would get a discount. And I just sort of shook my head like this, and she looked at me dead in the eye, 
And she goes, you look like you could use a boost. And she took her personal card and she swiped it. And then she also gave me her employee discount. And I walked out and the very next day, still in this terribly dark place, I was just window shopping at a mall just to kill time. And I'm standing there looking at a display and I feel this presence. And a man approaches me, I've never seen him before, and he just sort of whispered to me, he goes, you are lovely. And it wasn't weird. It, I mean, I, I know that sounds weird, but you can tell the difference between weird and, and not. And I remember I heard him say that, and I don't think there's anything I needed more in that moment. And I just took a deep breath and breathed that in and turned to thank him, and he was gone. Mm. And I searched the aisles. I looked up and down everywhere for this man, and I never saw him. And I believe in my heart of hearts that God put that cashier at the grocery store and this gentleman that I truly believe was an angel mm. in my life for a moment to remind me that God loves me and he is here for me in every single detail. Amen, amen, amen. I think it's important to know that once you become more aware of the presence of God, words like coincidence disappear from your yes. vocabulary. Amen. Once you're aware that God is with you, there's no more coincidences. It's just God. Yeah. It's just God showing you how much he loves you and how near he is to you. So we can miss God when we're too close or too far away. And so how do we do this? Well, we correct our vision when we, we correct our gaze. And so help me with this, team. Help me put some feet to this. Let's now talk about the how we do something like this. How do we make sure we don't miss God? Um, Andrew, I'll start with you and then we'll go to Crystal. But Andrew, tell me about how. How do you not miss God throughout the day? I think the word is rest. Rest. One of the hardest things for our culture, for our world to do is to rest. We live in a go-get-it world, never-stop world. We're never sleeping. We're always moving, working, accomplishing. Mm. I think about when God created everything in, in existence. The last thing he did was rest. It says in the Bible that he saw all that he created and he rested. If you translate that word rest, it actually means cease. Mm. And so I think about this word rest and I'm like, man, to be so aware of his presence means to the in the middle of our day just to cease, to stop mm. for a moment, connect with him, talk to him, to cease after the hard phone call, after the hard time to talk to him, to stop. I, I absolutely love that, Andrew. I, I said this last week that God is omnipresent, and that means he's not just big enough to cover the whole earth, and that's why he's everywhere, but the fullness of everything of who he is is available to you everywhere. And so what I'm hearing you say is in those times where we rest, we can enter into the secret place time with the Lord. In those times after the hard phone call, after the great phone call, or from stop sign to stop sign on your way to work, you can enter into the presence of God and be aware that he is with you. Absolutely love that. Um, now, babe, um, I'm looking at her, not you. Um, 
tell you, I love you, bro. <laughs> um, help us with this. I, I, I get the up-close view of you, and, and help me with this, and help everybody with this. What's a how to this? How do we make sure we don't miss God throughout the day? That's good. I don't know if anybody else can identify with this, but this concept of missing God used to really stress me out. And it was really a point of anxiety because I would go throughout my day and go, is that God? Did I miss it? Oh my gosh, I missed it. And it was a really heavy burden. And so what that has looked like for me over the years is daily acknowledging that God is a good shepherd. Mm -hmm. He is my shepherd and he wants to lead me, and he does it clearly in a way that I can understand. And so that's really helped me. And so now I'm able to look at every opportunity that he gives me as an opportunity to grow my yes muscle, Mm. knowing that the more I perceive that he's leading me, that he's directing my path, and I say yes to that, and I lean into that, it grows that muscle. So every day... Mm my vision gets a little clearer and I have a better understanding of the Lord. That, that is so good. And, and what I'm hearing you say there, it's, it's, it's like Kaylin connecting with God with the flowers and the song and then Elisa, the cashier and the random gentleman. God is going to speak to you because he's been speaking to you. And the great thing about the Lord and how big he is and how specifically he created you, he knows exactly how to talk to you and exactly how to get your attention. So maybe you're not the kind of person that notices the flowers. Maybe you're the kind of person that notices every billboard on your drive home. Maybe you're the kind of person that is on the phone all day. Maybe you're the kind of person that you work with with children or you work with technical, whatever it is, God knows how to get your attention. He knows how to get your attention. Just be reminded that he is always with you and he cares about the mundane moments too not just the mountaintops or the valleys. He's speaking to you all day and you can encounter him. And and so here I am 16 years ago to the month and I'm on my hands and knees. And my first job, I've got to clean the baseboards of the church. And I get a rag and what's called goo gone. Anybody know what that is? It's the worst thing in existence. And I get this goo gone and I have to put it on the rag and I'm going inch by inch with my left hand using my nail to scrub the baseboards of the church. That's only the beginning though. After I'm done with the baseboards, I move into the sanctuary and we had offering envelopes in the backs of the seats. I've got to fill all the offering envelopes. Then I've got to vacuum the sanctuary. I've got to go to the stage, vacuum that. Then next I go to the kids wing and I mop the kids wing and then I go into the youth room and then I clean everything in between. And then it's the bathrooms, the male and the female. And then I'm outside with the electric blower and I'm doing the front entrance and the back entrance. And I'm, I'm... I was miserable that whole summer. I was, this was supposed to be an internship. I got hoodwinked. I got Jimmy sauced. Somebody just bait and switched me, man. And I did not realize what God was doing in my life because here I am and I had to go through every single square inch of that church. I had to work in the main sanctuary, had to work in the kids, had to work in the youth room, had to work in, in the parking lot, in the facilities. I had to work in all those different areas. And here I am 16 years later. And I get to serve this church in every single one of those capacities. I get to meet with the kids. I get to meet with the youth. I get to meet with the sanctuary and the production team. I get to meet with the facilities teams. I get to meet with the greeters. 
every single thing that I learned at 16 years old in that internship is what I'm doing today. I could not see that. All I saw was the rag and the goo gone. I don't know what you see right now. I have no idea what you see. Hopefully it's not goo gone, because that's terrible. But seriously, I have no idea what's directly in front of you. And I do not know what the aspirations are ahead of you. The only thing that I do know is that God is with you. And he cares about every single detail of your life. You're in high school, you're a senior, you're getting ready for acceptance letters, you're getting ready to figure out what you're doing in the summer. All I can tell you is that if you would listen and watch for God right now, you'll be amazed how he shows, how he shows up in your life 10 years from now. Don't despise anything you're doing right now. All you've got to do is focus on everything I'm doing right now is for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and you will never be disappointed. And as we come to a time of communion, I do think it's important for us to focus on the cross. And Jesus gave his body and his blood for you and I. And what an awesome, awesome, awesome testimony of how much God loves us. Now, he would give his only son for you and for me. He would give his body and he would give his blood. And he would take the form of a cross. He would take the form of a cross to show how much he loves you and me. Our body was created with over 200 bones. Um, there's over 100,000 hairs on our head. And if you're like me, it's probably closer to about 65,000 to 70,000. It's slowly coming to you now. The joke is slowly rolling in. God knows the number of each one of your head, of the hairs on your head. He's that specific with how much he loves you. That specific. Trillions of cells exist in your body. And these cells are what holds you together. You're made up of trillions upon trillions upon trillions of cells. And you know what was fascinating when I researched this? What was so fascinating is there's a protein that binds all of these cells together. And it's called laminin. And here's a picture of what laminin looks like. That protein exists in every one of our bodies. It holds every cell in our bodies together. What am I saying? Every cell in your body was created to reflect the love, the love of God. Every cell in your body bears the image of the love of God. This wasn't a sermon to convince you that Jesus is real. This was a sermon to make you aware that God is near, that close to you. In a cellular level, he wants to encounter you. So as we eat and as we drink, let us embrace this truth. Let's all stand as we close. There's one more detail. 
one more detail. In the passages that we read, Jesus told the disciples exactly where to find that cult and exactly what to do. But remember, when we read in Zechariah, the disciples were not mentioned whatsoever at all. The disciples were not a part of the prophecy. The disciples were a part of the testimony. This week, let's not get distracted by the Easter bunny and Easter egg hunts too much. Let us be aware that God wants to encounter you in all the details of your life. I jump in the shower, I can hear God clearly. If I need to solve a problem, I take a shower, I come out, I got the answer. Wherever it is, God wants to encounter you, but he also wants to encounter the people around you. So as you're more aware of God being around you, start to think about whose testimony could you be a part of? Whose testimony do you get to be a part of? Who are you going to invite to Easter services next week? Who are you going to tell about the love of God? Who needs to know that there is a presence over their pain? Who needs to know? So this week, as we're all meditating and becoming more aware of the details that God wants to encounter in our lives, let us also think about who God has placed in our lives so we can be a testimony of them coming to know him. Be someone's testimony this week and be aware of the presence of God. Let's pray. Lord, I bless your name. Thank you for creating us in such a way Our very existence screams, God loves me. Our very existence. God, you have made it abundantly clear that we are the most important detail to you. So God, I pray in the most random occasions, at the grocery store, driving to work, after a phone call, as soon as we wake up in the morning, that we would be immediately aware that you are near. Encounter us this week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, you're dismissed. I'll see you guys next week.